0: Come on come on, and let's give God a hand clap of praise in this place. Amen. He's worthy. Can you all hear me out there? Amen. I really have to tell y'all that I'm a little nervous, but God is good. Amen. Sometimes I struggle with trying to be like other people and preach like other people but I know that God wants me to be authentically me. So that's who I'm going to try to be today. And I ask that you would just pray with me as I as I preach these words of life that God has given me for you today. And even though I'm I'm mostly reading it off of my notes, just know that they are words that God has given me for you, and it's come straight from heaven. Amen. Thank you. Amen. So, the way of the world today is such that people feel like they can live however they want to live and still call themselves Christians. This is my life. I can do whatever I want to do with it. And yeah, I'm going to heaven, you know, whatever. God, you know, it's all good. Yes, God has given us our own destiny and our own truths to live out. And according to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the chief aim of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And in conjunction with that, God has a distinct plan for our lives A plan that we must daily follow. The Bible declares that his plan for us is to prosper us and not to harm us, but to give us a future and an expected end. So there's a definition of destiny that I really love. And it says, destiny is the customized life calling God has ordained and equipped you to accomplish in order to bring him the greatest glory and achieve the maximum expansion of his kingdom. Only you can live the life that's been customized for you. You are rare, special, and valuable, and God has created you to be a masterpiece. Matthew 6 and 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. As long as you are seeking God's kingdom and his will for your life, then the things that he desires for you will be what you ultimately desire. He will give you what to desire for your life. Proverbs 16 and 3 says, put God in charge of your work, then what you've planned will take place. But at the same time, only you can kill the destiny that God has planned for you. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life are in the power of this little member in our mouths, the tongue. And what you say can make or it can break you. If you speak doom and gloom, then guess what will befall you? Doom and gloom. If you speak peace and prosperity, then that's what you will have. Live your life so that God can be proud of the masterpiece that he's created. When the Lord comes back for our church and asks you about your life and how you lived your life, you have to give an account. He's not going to ask my mother or my father. He's not even going to ask my husband, John, or my siblings what I did. But he's going to ask me. I have to be responsible for this life I live and the things that I've done. Amen? Amen. Amen? So last year, John and I decided to plant a garden. Yes. And, you know, being newlyweds. We were like, oh, let's do something new. This will be fun. So we decided which area of the yard we wanted it in. We decided what we wanted to plant. We did some research to see what the best time of year was to begin the process of the garden. So we started to clear out a piece of land in our our yard. It was approximately 5 feet by 7 feet, kind of small. John spent a considerable amount of time outside clearing away rocks and picking up the grass and and, um, digging the soil. So we already knew that the ground in our yard was kind of rocky, so we planned accordingly. John brought fencing and built a fence around the area to ensure that animals wouldn't get in. And even though we had bought seeds weeks earlier, We had to wait until the right time to start planting. So John watered the ground. He added in some kind of stinky manure uh, to get um, the ground ready for the seeds. And finally, it was planting time. And we dug holes and we planted seed, making sure to space them out just right. We planted several rows of zucchini, we had peppers, we had some tomatoes, and we had some string beans. We were kind (laughs) of bold. Then we labeled each one, and after that, we waited for a couple of months, we watered, we weeded, and we watched our harvest grow. So by the end of the season, we had so many tomatoes, and we had... A little bit of uh, peppers, but the zucchini and the string beans were literally, like, non-existent. Like, we didn't even see one. So earlier this year, that was last year. So earlier this year, we talked about another garden. And we kept saying to each other, the garden, the garden. Don't forget the garden. I reminded John a few times, and... We talked about it, but it just never happened. We even saw our neighbor creating this massive, beautiful garden that yielded them so much fruit and vegetable. And to say we were mildly jealous was absolutely true. And so when we were finally ready to plant our garden, guess what? It was too late. The window of planting had already passed. So the moral of our story is, don't procrastinate. So what is a parable? A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. And Jesus used parables various times in the New Testament. He used everyday simple things such as a woman baking bread, which is the parable of the leaven, A man knocking on his neighbor's door at night, which was the parable of the friend at night. And I've never heard that one, but look it up. The parable of the friend at night. Or the aftermath of a roadside mugging, which was the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yet they deal with major religious themes, such as the growth of the kingdom of God and the importance of prayer and also the meaning of love. So I'm going to read a parable to you today that will be the basis of my message. And I'm going to start off by reading Matthew 13, if you'd like to get it, verses 1 through 8. And I'm actually going to be reading out of the message Bible today. So it says, at about that same time, Jesus left the house and sat on the bench, on on the beach, In no time at all, a crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed his congregation, telling stories. What do you make of this, he says. A farmer planted seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly but didn't put down roots, so when the sun came up, It withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. And finally, some seeds fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. So why did Jesus use parables or stories? Was he trying to make it easier for people to understand the message that he was trying to get across? Was he trying to stump people. Everyone likes a good story, right? So the reason is explained in the following scriptures, Matthew 13, 10 through 17. So the disciples came up and asked Jesus, why do you tell stories? And Jesus replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. I love the message Bible, (laughs) y'all. You know how it works. Not everyone has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories. To create readiness. To nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and still not get it. And I don't want Israel's forecast repeated all over, which said, your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. (laughs) They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look, so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. But you, referring to the disciples, have God-blessed eyes. You have eyes that see and God-blessed ears, ears that hear. A lot of people, prophets and humble believers among them, would have given anything to see what you are seeing to hear what you are hearing, but never had the chance. So let's talk about gardens. When you're planting a garden, whether big or small, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of patience. The conditions have to be right, the ground has to be right, and the timing has to be right. You have to get dirty when planting. Sometimes, especially in the beginning stages, it can be a messy job. When seeds are planted, they first grow roots. And once these roots take hold, a small plant will then begin to emerge, and eventually, it breaks through the soil. As the plant grows and begins to make its own food from nutrients it takes from the soil, it will grow into a large plant. The seed itself, the actual seed, is like a survival package actually contains the food that the seed needs while it is growing roots and forming into a small plant. I thought that was really interesting. We also have to water, we have to pluck and prune very often in order for our plant to grow well. So here's the principle about sowing and reaping. First of all, absolutely nothing happens until the seed is planted. The place where seed is designed to bear fruit and spring forth is soil. John and I talked about this garden for quite a few months this year, and because we didn't take the time to go out, buy seed, make the land ready, and actually plant the seed, nothing grew. Secondly, Nothing good grows overnight. It takes time for any seed planted to grow up. So the the farmer plants in one season and then it's harvested or it's reaped in another season. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, the Bible says, I planted the seed, then Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. The scripture should suggest a length of time between the planting of the seed and the manifestation of the fruit. Are you with me? Galatians 6 and 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So until the harvest comes, we should faithfully labor and patiently wait, knowing that at the proper time, we will reap that harvest. So lastly, we reap in kind to what we sow. So when you sow apple seeds, you don't get a pear tree back. You bear an apple tree. When you sow lemon seeds, you don't get strawberries back, but you get lemons So it is that when you sow love, you get love back. When you sow peace, you get peace back. But when you sow anger, you get what anger produces. It works both ways. So Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Living a life of sin and carnality and expecting to inherit heaven is like planting cactus and expecting roses to grow. It's just not going to happen. So let me ask you this question. How does your garden grow? The Bible says in Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in order to bear these fruits, we need to be willing participants in how our gardens grow. The Bible also says in 1 Peter 2, verses 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And if you know anything about babies, they need nutrients in order to grow. Babies get their nutrients from milk, whether from their mother or some other milk source. And the Bible says for us to desire the sincere milk of the word And when I looked up the definition of desire, it's a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. So in this parable that we read, the seed is the word of God. The sower sows the word, and our hearts are like soil where the word can grow and produce the fruit. So listen The sower planted seed, and the seed fell in four different places, and here is the explanation or the moral of this story. Study this story of the farmer planting seed. When anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface, and so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart, this is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. Thank you. Secondly, the seed cast in the gravel. This is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm, but there is no soil of character. And so when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. The third seed that's cast, it's cast in the weeds. This is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what we heard, and nothing comes of it. Then finally, the seed that's cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Listen, the word of God is key here. The word of God will keep you. There is power in the word of God. There is strength in his word. His word is life-giving. It's life-changing. His word will cut you and then it will heal you. It will instruct you and it will correct you. His word is quick and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's his word that will get you through any situation. And when you know his word, and when you love his word, and when you live by his word, the end result can only be fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what will remain. Our mantra ought to be, Lord, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So I ask you this question again. How does your garden grow? Is it with hatred or malice or anger? Are you sowing seeds of confusion and contention? Or are you sowing seeds of love and peace and joy? I admonish you this morning to get in God's word. Desire his word and the word will show you you. It will show you who you are. It will show you where you need to come up and where you need to go down. Listen, nobody's perfect. And I promise you that I don't want to be perfect either. I just want to do my part in fulfilling my destiny, in fulfilling what God has called me to do in this life, so that when He comes back for His church, He can say to me, Girl, you did good. That's all I want to hear. You've been faithful. It's not about being perfect. It's about giving it your best shot and even knowing that sometimes you're going to fall short. And I know that try as I may to cross cross every T, dot every I, it's just not going to happen. Some seeds are going to fall on good ground and others will not. I just believe that God wants to speak to someone this morning who feels like they're inadequate. They keep trying, they keep trying, they keep trying to measure up. But I'm admonishing you to keep moving. Keep going forward. Because the God of the harvest, our faithful God, he is able He's able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that you could ask or even think in your life, even when you don't feel like it. Just like the garden that John and I planted last year and that we wanted to plant this year, and even though we didn't have a harvest this year, guess what, we're gonna try again next year. And that's how life is. Sometimes you try, it doesn't work, you try again. If you're here today and you, you're in his word, but the word hasn't taken root in, your, in your, your heart. If you wanna be in his word, so that the word can take root, I wanna pray with you today because I believe that God is here And I believe that where two or three are gathered, God is in the midst. If you want to receive this gift of insight that God was talking about, this readiness that he was talking about, so that you can live your life pleasing to God, so that you can can live out this destiny that he's called you to do, I want to pray. I want to pray with you because I believe that God can do it. He can do it. He can make your heart, which is the soil, he can make it ready to receive seed so that it can be planted and grow up. I believe him. I believe that he can do it. He's never failed me yet. He's never failed me. So if you're here today and you want prayer, just come. Come to the altar I'll pray with you. I'm here. That's what I'm here for. I want to pray with you. I do. I believe God. I'm going to ask Pastor Angel if he would come. Hallelujah. And you who are in the audience, in the congregation, I want you to be prayerful, be praying right now that God would plant this seed that God would do it